हेलो वेलकम टू द सेल्फ लर्निंग पॉडकास्ट बाय डॉक्टर सुषमा सिंह लेट अस स्टार्ट डिस्कशन ऑन यूनिट 14 वर्कर्स एंड पीस एंड मूवमेंट्स इन इंडिया एंड आवर टॉपिक इज पीस एंड मूवमेंट्स इन इंडिया agrarian movements in contemporary india may be broadly classified into two main categories the first type of movements is those of the poor the marginal or small peasants these movements voice the demands related to their economic condition for example demand of the agricultural laborers for higher wages and better working conditions The second type of movements is of the more prosperous peasants those who produce a considerable surplus within the rural economy these movements are often in social science literature referred to as farmers movement or new agrarianism or new peasant movements The first category of movements date back to the colonial period. Kathleen Go in 1974 found that in India 77 peasant uprisings took place since the British period. In the initial years the sporadic movement were directed against the extraction of the zamindars and other forms of intermediaries we shall see later that these movements were and are around the grievances of the ruler poor and in the pre independence years they developed in close connection with the national movement the second category of movement has arisen in recent years in the green revolution areas such as in western uttar pradesh haryana punjab or southwestern maharashtra or in the far south such as karnataka or tamil nadu and it is the rich and the middle peasants the prosperous within the rural economy that organize and led it these movements have become much more prominent in recent years The movements target the state, the bureaucratic apparatus, and demand, among other things, concessions from the state, like rise in remunerative prices for crops, decrease in prices of agricultural inputs, providing electricity at a cheap rate, etc. By focusing on the decline in terms of the trade. over the years they also have created and highlighted a distinction between the town and the country and some of the leaders for example sharad joshi of the setkari sangthan emphasizes that bharat is being exploited by india in this section of unit we concentrate on the origins and the nature of the movement of different kinds the demands raised issues involved and the problems with the movements in the first part of this section we look at the nature of the agrarian mobilization and the peace and movements in the colonial period by focusing on the mobilization and movement led by the congress and the others led by the communist party of india
we shall focus on the relation of the peace and movement with that of the national movement and also the two most prominent movements the bhaga and telangana that were led by the communist in the second part we we'll look at the agrarian mobilization and movements after independence in the last part of our discussion we took briefly at the farmers movement that had acquired prominence in the contemporary india now let us move to the next point the congress communist peasant movements in colonial india the peasants had been the worst sufferers of the british raj in colonial india even before the congress decided to mobilize the peasants the later had already developed their organizations and were in fact protesting against the local zamindars who to them were the main enemies thus there has been much peasant unrest and occasional uprisings in the pre nationalist era the two most important uprisings in the pre nationalist period were the movements of the indigo planters of 1860 and the mopleh uprising of 1921 in malabar in the initial years the congress ignored the urgency of improving the agrarian situation it was only in 1920s that gandhi sought to convert the congress organization into a mass organization and hence thought of bringing the peasants into the fold of the congress two important development were in fact responsible for the establishment of contact between the peasants and the congress in the late 1920s the first was constant banging of congress doors by the peasants on the one hand and the second was the need by the congress to enlist peasant support for the national movement despite the fact that the congress took a late initiative in reaching the peasants in the countryside it became a strong force to reckon with very soon since the congress wanted to become a political party of all classes in the indian society it attracted even the landed rich to enter the organization and once the later entered it is the later who in fact dominated the organization and decide, decided the ruler strategies of the party and hence the congress could not pursue any radical peasant agitation the congress was more interested in enlisting the support of the bulk of the peasant for the purpose of national agitation but never went for and encouraged class war with the upper strata in ruler society in a nutshell it can be said that because of gandhi's and congress emphasis on class harmony and because of its primary emphasis on socio cultural revival of the ruler community that the congress could never launch serious agitations in the country side 
though it was able to draw the support of a part of the ruler community during its anti-imperialist agitations. Apart from the Congress, the Communists were the other major force that mobilized the peasants. Though the CPI was formed in 1920s, its serious engagement with the peasantry started with the formation of All India Kisan Congress, later renamed as the Kisan Sabha, and the primary purpose of the Sabha was to mobilize the peasants. It is after this pursuing broadly a tactics of united fronts in cooperation with the national movement, the CPI increased its membership in the peasant front and set the stage for the most revolutionary struggles in the countryside, though most of the struggles as we shall see later were local in their spread. The tactics of the communists adopted were to work at the grassroots level and these tactics paid them rich dividends. In the countryside, they worked through the Kisan Sabha. In the beginning, it was not a class-based organization. It represented even the well-to-do peasants, though in this period, the communists ensured that the Kisan Sabha would take up at least some of the issues of the ruler poor. The ruler rich were well represented in the Sabha because the Congress socialist emphasis on a multi-class organization. It was only in the years 1941-43 that the AIKS passed into the hands of the communists and its Swami Shadanand who tried to build the Kisan Sabha as an organization of ruler poor and this alienated the rich and the middle peasants. The control of the CPI over the Kisan Sabha was completely by the year 1945. The membership of the Kisan Sabha kept on increasing and by 1944, it increased to 5,53,427. After completely capturing it, the CPI and Kisan Sabha could, in fact, make the Sabha an organization of poor peasant tenants at will, sharecroppers, and landless agricultural laborers. It is with this base that it could in the later years launch and led agrarian struggles in the pre-independence period. The Tibhaga movement in Bengal 1946-47 and the Telangana movement 1946-51 in the former Hyderabad state were led by the communists and it is these movements that we now turn to in our next session. Now let us wind up the session and take rest. Thank you very much for engaging yourself with the self-learning podcast.